Acts chapter 2 is where we're going to be today. As uh, Brother Ben mentioned during the welcome time, uh, we started a series last week uh, entitled Revival. Uh, Revival. Uh, and, uh, and what revival uh, looks like. And the book of Acts essentially is, man, a book about revival. Uh, man, the Lord shows up uh, and shows out, and we see, man, a people uh, forever changed. See people forever changed. That's what we're going to focus on today, Acts chapter 2. I'm just going to go ahead and be honest with you from the forefront. This is one of my favorite chapters in the whole Bible. Uh, and so uh, uh, if you uh, don't mind me, I may get a little excited just preaching it today. Uh, this is uh, an exciting uh, chapter. Um, and, uh, man, there is so much uh, here. Uh, and so uh, super excited to dig into it. Uh, we're going to be in Acts chapter 2. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to read uh, the first uh, 21 verses uh, and then walk through a couple of uh, preaching points. Uh, and then uh, after that, we'll read the last from uh, verse 22 through 41 and highlight the last two uh, points uh, this morning because there is so uh, much here. But uh, if you've got a Bible, Acts chapter 2, uh, if you're there, let me know that you're there by saying there. Uh, Acts chapter 2, uh, starting in verse 1, and we'll read through uh, verse 21 uh, together. This is what the word of the Lord uh, says. It says this, When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, the 120 that were in the upper room uh, there. Verse 2, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now they were dwelling in Jerusalem, dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at the sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language. Parthians and Medes, Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judah, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phygera and Pamphylia, Egypt and parts of Libya, belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians, all these people, man, there in that place. We hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others mocking said they are filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them. Men of Judah and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people are not Drunk, as you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day, only 9 a.m. Man, these people aren't drunk. It's in the morning. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel long ago. And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams, even on my male servants and female servants. In those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. 
And I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day. It shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Man, let me give you some background of what's taking place here, man. The Holy Spirit, which who God promised would show up, man came and shook the house 120 folks in that room man were filled with the holy spirit and and as they went out man and and engaged the people who were there for an uh, event called pentecost which literally means 50 right uh, uh, 50 days after uh you know the passover time was what that represented they were there and during this festival time festival of weeks there to bring their first fruits to the lord right so everybody from all across the globe showed up in jerusalem there to do that they're there right and they hear man these 120 speaking in languages that they knew and they were shook up perplexed some folks thought that man these guys are drunk man blabbering stuff and all of a sudden, Peter steps up and he shares what really happened. Shares what really happened. See, these people that came from all over the globe, man, they showed up just for another festival, one of the three that they attended each year there in Jerusalem. But there was something different that day. Something different that day. Hey, the Holy Spirit of God showed up and shook the place. Hey, revival took place there. And that's what I've entitled the message today. Hey, when revival shows up. Hey, when revival shows up, why don't you pray with me one more time before we dive into the sermon? Excuse me. God, we love you. God, we thank you for who you are, Lord, and we thank you that uh, you are able still to shake things up. Bless God. Hey, I know in here, including myself, man, some of us need a little shaking up. We need you to meet us where we are, Lord. God, your word says if we seek you with our whole heart, we'll find you. And so, Lord, I pray as we see here uh, described in the book of Acts chapter 2, I pray, Lord, that this kind of revival would show up uh, in our life as well. Lord. Lord, that you'd return us to your first love, Lord, that you'd give us, man, that hunger and desire to man, want to dwell with you, Lord, walk in intimacy with you. God, we ask that you speak to us now, and we ask these things all in your gracious and heavenly name. And all God's people said, amen, amen. When revival shows up, I want to highlight four points in total, but the first two points here we see in verses 1 through 21 of what happens when revival shows up, when God shows up. Because, hey, by the way, when God shows up, hey, revival takes place. That's what revival is, man. Revival is uh, an awakening, a, a stirring, if you will. Right, a, 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 a bringing back to life that which was once dead. Hey, when revival shows up, man, we see these four things happen that we see here in the scripture. Hey, when revival shows up, Brother Greg, first thing that happens is this. The power of God is on display. Hey, when revival shows up, the power of God is on display. That's what we see take place here. The descriptors here that, that Luke gives, the writer. Of what happens. Holy Spirit shows up, man. There's tongues of, of fire, right, that are uh, hanging over the heads of, man, the 120 that are in the room, man. What imagery there. It's pretty crazy. Think about that. Uh, a, a mighty rushing wind, sounds of a mighty rushing wind uh, uh, take place there. Right? People are speaking in different languages there. Well, it just shows, man, the power of God on, on display there. 
That's all, that's all, the only thing that, the only reason why that could happen is because, man, God made it happen. Made it happen. When revival shows up, man, the power of God is on display. What do we see here uh, in regards to his power? We see the examples of his power. I mentioned some of that here. The wind blowing uh, in that place, right? Uh, uh, Jesus talks about, you know, that same word wind in the original language there. Sp- it speaks to spirit, Right, uh, J- Jesus talks about it in John chapter three, man. It, it pre- his presence, the Holy Spirit, blowing in that place. The tongues of fire, right, reminiscent of God in His nature. He is known as in Hebrews twelve twenty nine as an all consuming fire. That's who God is, man. An all consuming fire. Remember in Exodus chapter three, whenever Moses was walking around and he saw this burning bush, right, that was burning the the bush there, but didn't engulf it. Presence of God, right there, man. God representative of. Uh, the fire. We see his example fire. And then you see, man, the, the picture of them talking in all these different languages. Here's what's interesting, Brother Ross. Hey, these 120 that were in the room, man, they weren't linguistic experts. Hey, hey, they didn't have, right, all the basic tools, man, to, to study like we've got today. Duolingo. There wasn't a Duolingo at, back then to learn different languages. But, man, they were able to speak and communicate and Man, different languages, right? Because, man, the power of God was on display, man. Examples of his power. I know it's so easy to forget a lot of times, right? We love to focus on, man, God being close to us. He is. He's close to us. We love focus on God being our friend, right? He is our friend. But, hey, he's the God of the universe, too. He is all-powerful, all-powerful. And we see, man, his power on display here. And so what does that mean for us? Hey, don't put God in a box. Don't put him in our proverbial box. Say, Pastor, what does that mean? What does that look like? Man, hey, it's so easy to put him in our uh, proverbial uh, traditional boxes, right? Tradition makes them red. So easy to put him in our uh, proverbial, hey, we can't understand all of them, so we'll just put him in the box. No, no, no. We've got to realize, man, this God is a God of all power, and we see his power on display here. We see his power on display, but also we see a people perplexed. The end of verses 12 and 13 there, it says that these people that were there, man, folks from all over the globe, man, they're there and they're hearing, man, these 120 men speak, man, in their language. Folks from all across the globe. Why, it's reminiscent of a couple things. One, right, it's reminiscent of this reality of uh, the gospel being for all people, right? Uh, This is the dawn of the, the church age. And so you've got people that are coming in and here to say we're getting ready to read it. They're going to get, get ready to hear the, the gospel message, right, and have an opportunity to turn and trust him. That's number one. But number two, man, we see that they're confused as to what is going on. Confused as to what's going on. We see a people perplexed. I remember being in this spot before, Brother Sterling. Um, I had just graduated college and had a chance to help lead a mission trip for some of our fourth and fifth graders at the church I was part of back in Texas. We went to San Antonio, San Antonio, Texas, um, and we, you know, stayed at church there, and, and we led what was called a, um, LIT, Leaders in Training. It's, you know, a program, you know, through the Baptist Church, uh, and we did these VBSs around the city, and it was, you know, a great time. Uh, but part of my role and responsibility was to lead the uh, worship time at the end of the night, the worship and debriefing time. And so we'd get there, we'd worship a little bit and debrief on the day. And, you know, I mean, it's fourth and fifth graders, nine and ten-year-olds. So you ask, hey, man, how, how did things go today? Oh, they were cool. Uh, okay, yeah. Uh, what else? What else went on? Oh, man, we got a chance to talk to them. That was awesome. You know, they, they, were, they were folks that didn't have really a lot to say, you know. But the last night, it was interesting. Man, we start worshiping. 
right? And afterwards, man, we opened it up for, you know, for kids to give testimony. And, man, kids were coming up, and they were sharing a lot about what was going on. And then, man, all of a sudden, seriously, revival broke out. As if I can't really explain, man. I mean, kids, kids are crying. All of a sudden, you know, we moved to a time of prayer. Kids, man, are praying with kids. Kids that didn't like each other early on in the week start praying for one another. You see kids praying for adults, Brother Travis, and what's going on. Folks are confessing sin. I mean, re- revival broke out in that place, and I, and I couldn't explain it. Couldn't explain it. Honestly, I didn't even know what to do. I was standing up there, folks, man, are singing songs, praising God. And then thankfully, one of the you know, other ministers that was there, man, been in ministry for a while, they stepped in and, and, and rolled with it. But it was something I couldn't explain. How are fourth and fifth graders, man, stepping in and praying over adults, full-grown adults that are over them? How? Man, power of God was on display. Hello. Even though I was perplexed, man, hey, that, that did, here it is, that didn't discredit what God was doing. Didn't discredit what he was doing. It was the power, his power on display. Listen, the Lord is a God of order, not chaos. But hey, that reality of him being a God of order ought to not lead us to choose to be people that discredit whenever he moves in an unordinary way, number one, and us to discredit Right. And choose to put him in our proverbial boxes, like I mentioned. We ought to choose, man, to understand that he is a God of power. Job 42, 2, it says this. I know Job speaking to you. I know that you talking about the Lord can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Listen, our God is able. He spoke through donkeys. He healed lepers. Hey, he defeated the most powerful armies. Hey, he uh, armies were defeated without them even having to draw a sword because of his power. He is able. He's able. And so even though we're perplexed, man, at what God is doing and how he's moving, man, doesn't mean that we throw the baby out with the bathwater, man. Hey, trust him, man. He's at work. He's at work. The power of God is on display. When revival shows up, Man, the power of God is on display. The second truth, we'll move fairly quickly here. Man, whenever revival shows up, not only is the power of God on display, but secondly, the truth of God is explained. That's what Peter does here. He explains, man, the truth of what is happening here. Folks think, man, hey, these people must be drunk. Peter steps in, right, and says, no, 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 hey, this is all about the Lord. Remember, the prophet Joel, he prophesied about this a long time ago. Spoke about what was going to happen here. He stepped in and shared the truth. Hey, you want to know, man, when revival shows up? Hey, the truth of God, man, is explained. Truth of God, man, reigns forefront. Reigns forefront. Yes, man, there's emotion that comes with, man, uh, you know, these, these you know, revival on a mass scale, what we're seeing across our country. Hey, but at the end of the day, man, it, it boils down to truth. Truth is shared. The truth is Explain. Peter steps in and shares the truth of the Lord and what he promised by sharing the prophecy of the prophet that the prophet Joel gave long ago. But what's interesting is interwoven within this prophecy, man, is is truth uh, that applies to us today, man, about the coming of the spirit. You may think, Pastor, what what does this have to do with me? You talk about, hey, you know, folks uh, dreaming dreams and seeing visions. I hadn't had one of those before. I'm, I'm not like that, you know, that girl that's so raven. You know, y'all remember folks my age? Y'all remember that show? Yeah. Hey, don't act like you don't remember that show. That show was, man, that show was good, man. Let's just be real. It's a good show. I don't know where she's at now, but um, good show. 
But I ain't seen I ain't seen any visions, man. Dreamed any dreams? You know what? How does this apply to me? Well, I'm glad uh, that you asked, man. We see some truth, man, here that that applies to us pertaining to this uh, prophecy that we need to highlight. The first truth is uh, this. Every person now has the opportunity to intimately know God. Every person now has the opportunity to intimately know God. Uh, God. Hey, intimately knowing the Lord is not is now not just for man the uh, religious elite. It's not just for the the prophets of that day. Hey, now that we those who surrendered ourselves to to Jesus Christ in relation with Him, now we possess the Holy Spirit, and now we can intimately know Him too. And those who haven't surrendered to Him, you, hey, you can surrender today and intimately know uh, Him. Hey, now, now every person has the opportunity to know him. That's what Joel talks about, man. In the last days, hey, he's going to pour out his spirit on all flesh. And those of us who know Christ, man, hey, he is, uh, he indwells in us today. What that means, right, intimately knowing God, what that means is now, hey, now that we know the Lord, man, in this new age, right, the, this new covenant age, we don't have to just be fans of Jesus. We can truly be his followers now. We can walk with him. Hey, now, man, in this new church age, now that, man, this Holy Spirit, you know, uh, uh, we possess, dwells in us. Hey, we no longer have to just simply be folks that identify with Jesus. Oh, yeah, man, I'm on his team. No, no, we can walk in intimacy with him step by step. Hey, we can hear his voice. Man, we can hear him when he speaks to us. As we spend time with him. We don't have to just associate ourselves with Jesus. We can be all in for him. The good news is, man, every person now, man, can walk in intimacy with God. Hey, you don't need a preacher to help you walk in intimacy with God anymore. Hey, you, you don't need a prophet. You, don't, you can walk with him personally. Every person has the opportunity to intimately know God. But secondly, man, the second truth that we see here is every child of God, right, has the call now to declare God's word. Look what he says. He says it like this. Hey. Even on my male and female servants, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. Does that mean, oh man, Pastor Irv, does that mean we all have the gift of prophecy that Paul talks about? No, it doesn't mean that. Hey, but what it does mean is, hey, and, and we see Paul talk about it, you know, whenever, uh, as, as you read in Second Corinthians and on and forth. That mean, it does mean this, that every person here who knows Christ, right, man, has a call to proclaim his greatness and share him. Right, to give testimony to him. Right? Prophecy is simply, man, giving a timely word from God at the right time to somebody. So, man, it's sharing a good word, man, about the Lord, man, to a, a follower of Jesus. As, as you're walking with Christ, man, he puts a word on your heart to share with that friend or that coworker. You step in to do that. You're called to do that. But also, man, the gospel message. Someone who's lost, man, hey, the call for us is to step in and share. Man, every child of God has, has a call to declare God's Word. I'm going to read, read how uh, Pastor Tony Marita uh, puts it, right, to a pastor in North Carolina. Man, he says it a lot better than I could say. This is what he says pertaining to uh, this prophecy of Joel. It says it this way. It says this. He means that every believer shares in the general privilege and responsibility of the Old Testament prophets. Such people were able to know God intimately and were commissioned to speak God's word favorably or faithfully. They came to know him mainly through dreams and visions. Now we can know God through Jesus Christ and can grow in our knowledge. St. Peter 3.8 tells us, grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord. 
We can grow in our knowledge through the revealed word of God. But still, like the prophets, we must declare God's word to the world. It is our mission. Man. Call for us is to declare God's word. Man, are you declaring his word today? Man, who, hey, who, who around you needs to hear the gospel? Say, Pastor Irv, man, hey, you, you don't understand. Man, my life is, man, overtaken with, with just work and the kids. Bless God. Hey, your kids need to hear about Jesus. And, hey, continue sharing with them. Faithful parents. I mean, hey, that co-worker, man, that you see all the time, man, that co-worker going through a tough time, great opportunity to step in and share. That, that next-door neighbor, great opportunity to share. Man, about the love of Jesus, man, declare his word. Declare his word. All right, let's go back to the text here. I want to read verses 22 through 41 after Peter reminds the folks about the prophecy of Joel. This is what he says, starting in verse 22. Look what he says. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know. This Jesus was delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. You crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. But hey, verse 24, I love it. He didn't stay dead. Verse 24, God raised him up, losing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. Hallelujah. Man, I'm glad I serve a Jesus that's alive and well. Couldn't get, couldn't be held by, by death. Hey, Buddha's still dead. Death holds him. Muhammad's still dead. Death holds him. But Jesus is alive and well. He's alive and well. Verse 25, for David says concerning him, I saw the Lord always before me, for he is at my right hand and that I may not be shaken. Therefore, my heart was glad and my tongue rejoiced. My flesh also will dwell in hope for you will not abandon my soul to Hades or let your holy one see corruption. You have been made. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will make me full of gladness with your presence. He quotes what David says in Psalm 16. Then verse 29, look what he says. Brothers, I may say to you with confidence about the patriarch David that he is both he both died and was buried and his tomb is with us to this day. Being therefore a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that he would set one of his descendants on his throne. He foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of Christ, that he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God raised up and of that which we are all witnesses, being therefore exalted at the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he himself says, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool. Psalm 110. Let the let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Peter gets done preaching and look what verse 37 says. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, this invitation still open to this day. Hey, repent and be baptized, every one of you, for uh, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. 
for the promises for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized and were added that day, about 3,000 souls. Man, we see Peter wrap up his message. Folks cut to the heart by the Holy Spirit and then the call to respond, repent and be baptized. By the way, I'll throw this in free of charge. A lot of folks like to use this, right, as, uh, you know, uh, to... um, uh, follow up with or essentially attest to, you know, the theology of baptism, baptismal regeneration, believing that you've got to be baptized in order to be saved. That's simply not true. We've got tons of verses that support, right, to uh, salvation by faith alone, uh, by grace alone through faith alone, right? What Peter's saying is this, man, baptism, man, it always, man, uh, is after uh, you come to faith in Christ. It's always after you come to faith in Christ. And we see that pattern all throughout. And Peter's saying, hey, repent, man, trust in Christ. And then, man, make that decision to be baptized. Let it be known before the world, which is a call for us. Man, those of you who know Christ, who have yet been uh, immersed, baptized since coming to faith in Christ, man, the call for you is to come forward and baptize. Let everybody know that you belong to him. Let everybody know you belong to him. But Peter, man, gives the invitation to uh, respond. We see two last things, then I'll be finished uh, this morning, of what happens, man, when revival shows up. What happens when revival shows up, man? We see, thirdly, that uh, when revival shows up, the name of God is lifted up. Uh, Peter gets done talking about the prophecy of Joel, and then he gets to talking about the name of Jesus. Hey, the name above every name. Hey, every revival, man, that takes place, right, corporately but also personally, right, uh, the man who's at the center of it is Jesus. It's Jesus. And his name is lifted up, man, whenever revival takes place. Man, it's lifted up in song as we, man, as we walk with him. We can't help but to praise him for all that he's done. Man, it's lifted up in, in our actions, in our decisions to say, hey, we, we belong to him. I'm going to spend my time, man, serving him, walking with him, growing in him. Right? It's all about Jesus. His name is lifted up. When re- revival takes place, when God shows up, man, his name is high and lifted up. And we see that, man, take place the rest of the book of uh, Acts here. His name is high and lifted up, man. If you're a part of, quote unquote, some kind of revival where Jesus is in the center of it, man, then, hey, it it ain't revival. It's not true revival. Man, when revival takes place, man, Jesus is high and uh, lifted up. It is all about him, all about him. And then fourthly and lastly, what we see here in verses 37 through 41 is uh, this. Man, when revival shows up, man, the family God is added to. Amen. Amen. The family of God's attitude says here that 3,000 souls, man, responded uh, to the gospel message. Hey, when God shows up, man, hey, people are going to get saved. Man, when God shows up, man, people are going to turn from their sins and trust in him. Man, whenever they heard this message, they were pierced to the heart, man, and they couldn't help but try. They didn't know what else to do. They needed to respond. And they responded by choosing, man, to trust in uh, him. Trust in him call was to respond. And by the way, I'll throw this in free charge too. Hey, whenever we encounter the word of God, whether you're lost or saved, there's always, there always is a call to respond. Don't think, hey, we're, you're, because you've known the Lord a certain amount of time, or you've read a familiar passage, or man, you've sang a familiar song, that there's not a call for you to respond. Hey, anytime, man, we engage with the Lord, walk with Him, man, there's a call to respond. That call may be, hey, to be still. That call may be to choose to worship. 
That call may be to respond by going and, you know, and texting a friend or calling a neighbor or calling somebody. Hey, there's always a call to respond. Always. And we see, man, the response here from the people. They ask the question, what must they do to be saved? And, hey, that response is still the same today, by the way. Hey, be in here and you don't know this, Jesus. Hey, the call is the same, to choose to respond. And just as you are, man, like that old hymn, you know, that used to be sung at those Billy Graham crusades. Billy Graham, man, preach on John 316, Brother Bid, you know, in the Astrodome. And, man, they'd see folks by the droves come down, man, wanting to get saved, man. And they'd sing that old song, just as I am, without one plea. But that thy blood was shed for thee. Just as you are, man, you can come and trust in him today. John 12, 32, Jesus, man, he says it himself. He promises this. He says this, when I and I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. Man, when Jesus is lifted up, man, he's going to draw all folks to uh, himself, man. When revival shows up. When revival shows, uh, I'll end with this. Um, an excerpt from uh, one of my favorite movies. Uh, I should have read the book. It's based off a book. I remember watching the movie in theaters, um, you know, based on C.S. Lewis's book, Lion, Witch, in the Wardrobe. Uh, man, great, you know, depiction of uh, the character of God, both his meekness but also his majesty. Um, there's a part in uh, the book, and I believe it's in the movie, too, where um, Lucy's having a conversation with Mr. and Mrs. Beaver about Aslan, right, the uh, one who's characterized as uh, the Lord. Um, and, uh, and I just want to read it. I just want to read this uh, conversation here. Uh, Lucy asked this question. Is he, talking about Aslan, is he a man? Asked Lucy. Aslan, a man, Mr. Beaver sternly said, certainly not. I tell you, he is the king of the wood and the son of the great emperor beyond the sea. Don't you know who is the king of beasts? Aslan is the lion, the lion, the great lion. Oh, said Susan, I thought that he would be a man. Is he quite safe? I shall feel rather nervous about meeting the lion. That you will, dearly, and no mistake, said Mrs. Beaver. If there's anyone who can appear before Aslan without their knees knocking, they're either braver than most or just silly. Then he isn't safe, asked Lucy. Safe, Mr. Beaver said. Don't you hear what Mrs. Beaver tells you? Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe. But he's good. He's the king. I tell you. He is good. This God of the universe. Who showed up and showed out right. Third person of the Trinity. The Holy Spirit. Here in this place in Acts chapter 2. Brought revival. Is the same God that wants to meet. Uh, with you. And with me every single day. Wants to do a work in our life. Now, is he safe? Of course not. <laughs> of course not, but he's good. He's good. And so our response ought to choose to let him do a work in our life. Say, Pastor, what does that look like? It, it, it looks like this. Hey, choosing daily because he's Lord of your life, man. 
to put yourself on the cross and to let him sit on the throne. Not the other way around. Let him rule and reign in your life, man. And you choose the place, second place, and choose to die to yourself every single day. Is he safe? Of course he isn't safe. But he is good. He's good. And for that reason, man, we ought to choose to allow him to do a work in our life. And choose to surrender daily to him.